Well, now it's starting to feel like Christmas, isn't it? I tell you, that was awesome. Hey, welcome to Crossroads here on our candlelight service, something we do every year. As you came in, I hope you grabbed a bulletin. Uh, this packet has lots of great stuff, but in there is a connection card. If you would fill that out, we won't crash your family Christmas party, I promise. Uh, we just would like a little information about you. So fill it out and drop it in the basket at the end of the service. It is that time of year. It's that time of year that makes us feel a certain way about, about a whole bunch of things. Um, if you're a kid, kids, you're excited, right? Right? You're not in school. All right, step one, you're not in school. You, you're hopefully getting to bake cookies and frost them and eat them and lick your fingers. You get to spend time with the family, and then, of course, the gifts are coming. That makes you feel a certain way of excitement. Um, but there's a flip side of that. There's others who, let's just be honest, we're dealing with a loss in our life and a, and a family member who's gone or something that you used to have and it's gone. And, and this time of the year intensifies that emotion and, and you miss them even more. Or maybe you, you're feeling uh, stressed out and for whatever reason this season just intensifies that feeling and the stress becomes even greater. And also, if you're curious about God and that curiosity, this time of the year, it just seems right and fitting to just imagine the possibility that maybe God really did dwell among us. Whatever the emotion you're feeling, I can tell you this, God wants us to experience him in a tangible and real way this Christmas season. To get caught up in the wonder of him and the gift of Jesus and to discover that or to rediscover just amazing how amazing that gift truly is. And so today, uh, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about how we can re-engage and know uh, the wonder of Christmas in our hearts. And so if you've got your Bibles, we'll have the on the screen as well, but you can turn to Luke chapter 2, and it's a story about a man named Simeon. It says this, There was now a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary of the law, Simon took him in his arms and praised God. And Leviticus 12 said at, at 40 days old, the parents were to present the child into the temple as an offering unto God and just dedicate them and con consecrate them to the Lord God. And that's what they were doing here. And I always envision this as Simeon takes the baby Jesus in his hands. I don't envision it like this. I, I see like a Lion King moment. The Simba in the circle of life's playing, and he's lifting up the baby Jesus and saying, Finally, my eyes have seen the glory of God Almighty become flesh. And it's the, the angels are singing. And it says he praises God in that moment. It's the word that we get the word eulogy from. You ever heard a beautiful eulogy? At funerals, you talk beautifully about people that have passed, and I've heard many beautiful eulogies. And that's what Simeon's doing. He begins to praise and lavish on praise to God because he's overwhelmed by just how awesome God really is. And this is what he says. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He says, I'm ready to die. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. 
Israel. Scholars say in this moment he likely broke into song, singing the praises of God that he would come in the form of a baby. You ever had that awkward moment? Like he wasn't even, he was in public, not even in a worship service, and he starts singing. You ever had that? Somebody's feeling it next to you and you're not feeling it? (laughs) It's awkward, isn't it? Where here's Simeon, he can't contain himself, he can't control his emotions, and he has to burst into song because of just how glorious it is to meet this long-awaited promise that Jesus Christ really was going to come. The Messiah that had long been promised finally was revealed in front of his very eyes. And he was... He was moved and full of wonder. And I just want to challenge us this Christmas that you and I can feel the same wonder that Simeon felt. That we could be full of wonder again about the glorious coming of Jesus Christ into our lives. And so we're going to look to Simeon this this evening and look at four ways that we can be full of wonder together. First of all, it says that Simeon was righteous. He was a righteous man. He was a holy man. And the more holy that you and I are, the more we will experience God in our daily lives. When we begin to put away sinful patterns and bad habits and bad attitudes that we find ourselves drawing nearer and nearer to God as we do. The scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And when we get sick of doing the wrong thing, we'll desire to do the right thing. Isn't that true? When we finally get sick of doing the wrong thing, we'll choose to do the right thing. And that's the first step of being full of wonder, just saying, listen, I want to do the right thing. I want to be the right kind of person. I want to choose the right thing. Did you know that sin, when we choose the wrong thing, it's like cotton in our ears. It's like blinders on our eyes, and it's like a callus on our heart. When we choose the wrong things, we can't hear God and see God and feel God the way he intended if we've got things that we, that we know are wrong in our lives. And you say, you know what, I want to do the right thing, but I've been choosing the wrong thing. Can I tell you, there's absolutely nothing you can do today about that except confess it to God. Simply confess it to him. God, I've been doing the wrong thing. But what you can do is decide, I want to do the right thing from here on out. Simeon was a righteous man. And you and I can start again and do the right thing in our pursuit of God. Secondly, he was devout. He was righteous and devout. Now, devout is the idea of being consistent and disciplined in our pursuit of God. I often thought, as I've read this passage over and over again, what if Simeon had taken the day off? What if he didn't show up to the temple that day? In this promise that he'd been waiting for literally for years when Jesus would arrive on the temple mount and he had missed it. Could you imagine? Would that have been Simeon's fault or God's fault? No, not at all. Simeon would have missed out on what God had promised for him. And I often think, man, how many times do we miss out on what God wants to say into your life or into my life when we miss a service or we miss a small group or we fail to open his very words and let God speak directly to us? Because in those moments, he has oftentimes something intimate and real and personal to share just with you. And you don't want to miss it. So he says, be devout, like Simeon, be devout in your pursuit of God. Show up, showing up's half the battle. And if we want to experience God more and be full of his wonder, man, let's just, a step here would be to grow in our consistency, in our pursuit of him. 
How many times have we missed the blessing and presence of God because we have not shown up? Shown up. Simeon was careful to obey God. He was careful to be in the right place. He wasn't perfect, but he didn't allow himself excuses, and he showed up. I don't know about you, but in my spiritual life, I don't want to be always playing catch-up because I've been missing out. I don't want to miss out on what God would want to say to me. That God is a living God, and He's an intimate God, and when we gather here, He has something specific to say to you. And when you open your Bible, He has something very personal to share with you. And when you listen in quiet and, and calling on His name, He has something to, to breathe into your life. If we'll consistently seek Him, He's speaking. Thirdly, we want to be like Simeon and that he was, he, so the scripture says he was waiting. Anybody waiting here today? Waiting on an answer? Waiting on an answered prayer? Waiting on a change? Waiting on a new job? The word intrigues me, this word waiting is not a passive thing, it's an active thing. And it says, uh, literally it means that advantageous to receive. There's an active anticipation and a confident hope that God will deliver in his promise. You know what makes me think about? It makes me think about a first baseman. Do you know how a first baseman gets ready to receive the ball? Now, I'm not going to split my pants or pull anything. But he does this, right? He stretches out. He keeps one foot on the bag. And man, he's all that he's got, he's reaching and leaning and saying, I can't wait to receive the ball as quickly and as soon as I can. Guys, that's, that's, the, that's the posture that Simeon was taking. And that's the posture you and I can take in our lives. That we're eager to receive from what God has for us. That we should expect God to come through. When it says that he speaks through his word, that we expect him to speak. And when it says expect him to answer prayer, that we can trust that he'll answer prayer. Part of our growth is just expecting God to do what he says he will do. Now, let me ask you, as you're waiting, how do you wait? Because oftentimes we either wait full of wonder like Simeon or we wait full of, of worry. And those two things are mutually exclusive. You can't wait with wonder and wait with worry. It's one or the other, right? And Simeon is waiting with an expectation that God's going to come through. In fact, uh, the psalmist David wrote this, In the morning, Lord, you heard my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and waited expectantly. He waited expectantly for God. When's the last time you waited expectantly for God, believing he had something to say to you, believing he had an answer prayer for you, believing that he was going to meet you in your time of need? Simeon believed God's promise that the baby would be born in his lifetime. The promise that the Messiah was going to come and rescue not just Israel, not just himself, but every person on the planet, rescue every single one of us from the penalty of our sin, that Messiah was coming and he believed it. And he waited expectantly for it. Our God is a God who comes through. Expect him to come through. Fourthly, I don't know if you noticed, but it also said that the Holy Spirit was upon him. That Simeon was a man marked with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when we hear about the Holy Spirit, him being honest, that's kind of a scary thing, right? Like last time that happened, I was sweating bullets. <laughs> Here it's a good thing. He said the Spirit of the living God was upon him. 
And think about this. It led him to Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus at right, just the right place in just the right time. This temple mount that he met them on was 50, 50, 30 football fields big. Think about that. It's huge. And yet, in that moment that he could meet them, he met them because God led him. When our lives are marked by leadership of the Holy Spirit, he leads us to the right place at just the right time. And so he did Simeon. But it also means that he's, he's listening. When you and I are, are led by the Spirit and depending on the Spirit's leadership, then we'll find ourselves being led by the Spirit to, to be devout and to be righteous and to be waiting expectantly. These are things that you and I can't do on our own power, but only by the power and the presence of the Spirit of the living God in us can we be these things. And he had yielded his life to God, and the power of the present Holy Spirit was at work in his life. He's our helper. In fact, five different times in the writing of John, the Holy Spirit is called the advocate. It's another word for helper. And the word in the, in the original language is parakletos. That means nothing to you. But think about that first word, a part of the word para. It means helper. It means advocate. It becomes one that comes alongside. So think of it this way. When you're confused in reading something, you need a paraphrase to help you understand what's going on, right? Paraphrase. Or if you're falling out of an airplane, you'd really love to have a parachute. And the only way that's happening is if someone pushes me out of the airplane, by the way. Not happening on purpose. But then you need a parachute who come, can come alongside you when you're falling and to catch you. Or if you have an accident and you're bleeding on the ground, you're hoping and praying that a paramedic comes in your moment and helps you heal in that moment of need. Guys, can I tell you something? When the Holy Spirit was given, when Christ ascended back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was given to be a paraclete to you, to be your helper in times when you're falling to catch you, to be the one that helps you understand when you're confused, to be the one who will mend your wounds when emotionally and relationally you get scarred by this life. The Spirit was given as the helper, the parachute, the paraclete, the paramedic to help you in your times of needs. If you need wisdom, he can grant it. If you're falling, he can catch you. And if you're hurting, God himself can heal you. When you yield your life to the helper, he leads you straight to God to be filled with his wonder. Are you filled with the wonder of God? Are you ready to, to receive more of what God has for your life in this year and the year to come? Man, God would love that that you open your life and I open my life further to God. And when we get full of wonder, guess what? It's contagious. It's contagious. In fact, I want to read you one more verse. The next verse says, After Simeon prays and exclaims the glory of God in holding this Messiah child, he says, it says this, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now they're full of wonder. Simeon's wonder that this Christ child was born was so contagious that it oozed onto them. And they looked at their child anew and afresh and said, wow, who must this child that was born to us be? And they were full of wonder as well. 
Can I challenge you, if Christ is a vibrant part of your life, make it contagious. Be so full of the living God. Be so devoted to him, so righteous for him, so waiting for him, and so full of him that you ooze the Christ child to everyone else around you. Be full of his wonder. Let me just ask you, what step do you need to take to be full of wonder this season? What step would allow God to have more fullness in your life? Let's just go back over this for If God is asking you to be more righteous before him, simply confess wherever you've been and ask for his leadership to make you righteous, to, to choose the right things in your life. If God is calling you to greater devotion and more consistently and you pursue him, you can vow that to God. Say, God, from this point forward, I want to pursue you more fervently. I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to let you speak into my life. If you're in a season of waiting, don't wait in fear. Don't wait with worry. God is the living God. And his, no one can fathom the vastness of God. And he has no end. And he has no limit to his power. And he can be trusted. And when he has you in a season of waiting, you don't have to wait in fear. You can wait with glad anticipation, stretching out and longing for the thing that God has promised, knowing that he's true to his word. Lastly, maybe you just need to, more fully let him lead your life. Let the Holy Spirit take control of your life. If you've been trying to do devotion and righteousness and waiting on your own strength, he's saying, listen, you can't and you shouldn't without me. Let me take over. Let me have the lead. I will help you and I will lead you through this life. Which of those steps is God calling you to do today? Can I tell you? The most important step before all those steps is meeting Christ himself. That is the first and greatest step that we could ever make. Think about this in Simeon's life. The greatest day in his life, although he was an old man and ready to die, the greatest day in his life is when he finally met Jesus. He got to meet him. This promised one. And I can tell you this, if you've met him or not, the greatest day in your life and in my life will be the day we meet Jesus Christ. That's the greatest day. And the reason it's the greatest day, it's because of who he is. He's the Messiah. He is the chosen one. That's what it means. He is the anointed one. He is the Savior, the one who was sent to bridge the gap between man and God. Have you ever felt a distance between God that he, he's out there somewhere, but I just can't seem to reach him? Jesus Christ is the bridge to your heavenly Father, and that is why he came. Have you met him? He's the one that can forgive you. He's the one that can bridge you to God, and he's the one that wants to lead you forevermore. Let's pray together. God, when we think about the steps that you took to bridge the gap between a holy and awesome God and a person like me, it's overwhelming. 
How much love must you have for everyone in this room to send your son for them? God, your love is awesome for them. And you've taken all these steps to make a way for us to have a relationship with you. And yet you leave one step for us. And it's that choice and it's that step right now that we want to focus in on, God. You say to all who receive you, to those who believe in your name, you give them the right to be called a child of the living God. And it's a choice. And God, I pray you impress upon every person in this room that there's a choice before them today. And the question is, have they met Jesus? And if they've never met you, their choice is to receive you and invite you into their life to be the leader and the forgiver of their lives. Today can be your greatest day because you can meet Jesus right now. And if that's the desire of your heart, you'd know that you need to meet him today. Nobody's looking around. This is a holy moment. I'm going to ask you to slide your hand up and say, I want to meet Jesus today. I'm going to invite Jesus into my life today. Would you slip your hand up? I praise God. I see you. Who else? I want to invite. I see you. Thank you. Praise God. I just praise God. All right. Awesome. I want to invite Jesus into my heart today. So those you raise your hand or you were too shy to do that, or you want to know what it means to be loved and accepted by your heavenly Father, you pray this. Say, God, I invite you into my life. I need your forgiveness because I've fallen short. I need your leadership because I'm making a mess. And I want your relationship because I was made for it. And so come into my life. I want to follow you. I confess my sin before you and ask for your forgiveness. Believing Jesus' death now counts for me. Thank you for making me a child of yours. God, we rejoice for those who invited Jesus into their heart today. It's the greatest day of their life. God, every single one of us can be filled with the same wonder we had the moment we said yes to Jesus and how exciting and life-changing that moment was. God, that's where you want us right now is to be filled with the same passion and joy that flooded into our hearts when we finally said yes to you. God, whatever that means, if this is your prayer, say it to God. Whatever that means, God, I turn my life back over to you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.